Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. Thank you for being here and thank you for always joining us. I really appreciate whenever you join us. As you know, if you want to reach out, we are available on all social media. Our handle is at animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. If you want to send an email, our email is at animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. That's where you can reach me if you want to be a guest on the podcast or if you know someone that wants to come on the podcast, just email us, message us on our social media, and we'll get back to you ASAP. That's the best. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. This week, we have a fascinating guest that is bridging the East and the West by sharing Chinese philosophy on his social media. Half Taiwanese, half Texan, he's on a mission to share profound insight and wisdom from his unique upbringing. We talk about a lot of topics like the utility of gender role, his definition of the term Asian American, and his distinction between ethnicity and nationality and the negative effects of diversity because of its chaotic nature. This is one episode that will give you a way different perspective, so let's not waste more time. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a philosopher who is known for his insightful thoughts on social media. He will impress you with his wisdom and then charm you with his enchanting brown eyes. Everyone, please welcome Henry Vaughn. Oh, it's quite the uh, intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome, uh, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. And I'm glad that we finally reconnected and do this. Yeah, no, it's, this will be my first. Uh, I hope that's not a problem, but um, I'm pretty excited to love these conversations. I love first timers, man. I love it. Anyways, before we move on, why don't you tell the Immigrant Nation where they can reach you or if you want to promote anything? Oh, sure. So um, I don't have a big social media presence, but I can be found on Instagram. It's uh, halfblood underscore philosophy. It's just my um, my posting ground for whatever kind of thoughts come into my head. So that's me. For the listeners, you got to check it out. It's so interesting. That's one thing I love. I was so happy when I bumped into your account. I was like, yo, this dude is cool. I want to talk to this guy. <laughs> I appreciate it. I think um, my big background is that uh, so my mom was born in Taiwan and my dad was born uh, down south in Houston, Texas. And mm. uh, well, I just think that there's a lot of like, I've learned a lot of lessons from living kind of in between that spectrum. And I don't see a lot of people. There are more of us now, the more of the in-betweens kind of talking. And I, but I just want to kind of put my own thoughts out there, mm-hmm. what, what I have to say to the mix. So. Of course. How did mom and dad meet? Uh, so my mom immigrated to the United States when she was real young. She was uh, about five years old, and they met on a high school trip in Washington, D.C., actually. Hmm. Hmm. Where are you located, located now? You said Houston? Uh, I actually live on, on the western side of the state of Texas. Uh, I'm in the military. Oh. My, my, my whole family home base is all still back in Houston. Most of us still live back there. Mm-hmm. And you're still active? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I work for the Air Force. Oh, Air Force. Excuse me, Mr. Smarty Pants over here. <laughs> it's a bunch of nerds, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why Smarty Pants. Uh, yeah. No, I lo- I, um, it's, a, it's a good group of people. I think uh, we have an interesting mission set. Yeah. So, Taiwanese blood. What kind of language do they speak there? I don't even know. Uh, so Taiwan's pretty interesting. My grandparents, if you ask them, the main language of Taiwan is Taiwanese, which can mean a lot of different things. But it's basically like Chinese Hokkien. It's uh, from from Fujian Province. Um, it's the simplest. But also um, because they were recently taken over by the mainlanders, they they also speak Mandarin Chinese, which is what I speak. Mm. And you speak fluently? I'm pretty good. I, I do speak pretty good um, Mandarin Chinese. It's a big, pretty big influence on the way I, way I mm. think. I think. Who taught you? Uh, well, it's interesting. Uh, back when I was a little kid, my my grandma, my ma, she cut a deal with my dad. My my dad from Houston. My dad wanted us to learn Chinese, and my ma wanted us to learn Taiwanese. So we did both. 
there's a Taiwanese community center down in Houston, and we took classes in Taiwanese and Chinese. What was the deal? Oh, it was just, it was like, well, my dad paid for the Chinese classes and my grandma paid for the Taiwanese classes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny, man. Hey, good for you, right? Are, are you grateful that you learned how to speak Mandarin and uh, Taiwanese? Wow. You know, it's one of those things that you hate when you're a kid. Like, I actually hated going to Chinese school. I did not like learning Chinese. I did not like learning Taiwanese. I didn't like being different. But I mean, you do enough years of that, and then eventually when you're an adult, you're like, oh, this is actually, I don't know. It's it's just like kind of interesting because you have a longer view of time, and you realize that there are more people out there who actually do speak this language, and it helps connect you to them. So afterwards, I was grateful. At the time, it was terrible. Was it every Sunday? Uh, every Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. You know how it is. First I would generation. hate that too, man. Saturday morning language school. <laughs> That's funny, man. If you ever have a kid, or I don't know if you do, would you send them to a language school? Oh, I, I think about this a lot, actually. Probably not. Hmm. Um, I mean, you have to learn a foreign language in the United States um, schooling system anyways. Uh, I don't think that I'll pass on my Chinese, mostly because it's becoming a smaller and smaller part of my heritage, just like most Americans kind of assimilate into the the broader kind of largely Anglo-Saxon culture of the United States. Uh, I'm the third, maybe the second generation, depending how you define it. And I speak Chinese as a, like a, as like a skill for work, but even for me, it's pretty hard to find use for it. So if you talk about my kids who they'd be the fourth generation Americans, um, they probably won't have any need to speak Chinese. So I don't I don't anticipate that becoming a, a thing. To be really, honest. that's a very interesting point because what I'm hearing is like Mandarin is like the second the the coming language that you need to learn because like it's like one out of five persons speaks it or something like that. It's true. There are a lot of Mandarin speakers, and it has been fun for me to be to be able to speak Mandarin. Um, but there's just so much. Emote, like just so much work that has to go into learning a language if you don't learn it naturally. Hmm. And um, I don't know. I think the way things are going in the future, it's if my kids want to learn Chinese, obviously I would support them in doing that hmm. as as just an interest or a hobby. But I think it's 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 um, not something I'm going to force them to do, hmm. just because my parents forced me to do it. I think it would have to be something that they would want to do. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, having kids and whatnot, I love that post that you that you had about third culture kids being overly attached to their parents' land. Oh yeah, well, it's in, like there are a lot of uh, third culture kids out there nowadays, and I think it's it's not always an enviable place to be. I think there are a lot of people who there are people who are attached to their parents' homeland, and that's not necessarily bad if you choose that for yourself. But I think for my mom, my mom, if you ask her if she wants to go back to Taiwan, she'll just say no, she's not interested because <laughs> she spent 45 years trying to become an American and fitting in an American. Why would you want to like go back to the place that you spent so much time getting away from? I think it's, it's, it's kind of an, it's a form of, of emotional toil. That's just, that can be kind of, it, it, it can be tough on people. I don't, I don't know. I, I think finding home is something that everyone wants to do. And then you can't really have two different homes, realistically speaking. Yeah, exactly. Why did mom had a terrible life in Taiwan? That's why she doesn't want to come back. Oh no, it's nothing like that. Like, so my mom left Taiwan when she was five. So she's old enough to remember it. Hmm. Um, but it's not like my grandma, my grandma left Taiwan when she was 30. My grandma, grew up and she went to school there and she graduated and got married in Taiwan. So my, my grandma will always be kind of defined by Taiwan, by the Island, by the, the stories of the Taiwanese people. But for my mom, it's been like this kind of hazy idea. My mom went to American public schools. She grew up in Houston. She got her first job in Houston. She got married in Texas. That's, that's her home. Like this kind of hazy faraway Island. It's, it's something neat to talk about, but it's not like, my mom doesn't have any friends there or people that she's like deeply attached to her stories are American stories. So America is her home. And I don't think, I think it's, 
it's very hard on people to try to do both, try to have both places as a home. Yeah, very interesting. I understand that point, though, because sometimes, you know, me as an immigrant, sometimes I have family members that like saying, oh, bring your kids to the Philippines or or visit them, whatever, which we did, which we had fun. But sometimes I have cousins that are like grew up like 20 years old and their their parents are forcing them to go visit. Like there's nothing for them to do there. If they don't if they don't want to go. There's nothing for them to do. Their friends are here. They're Canadians. They, they're not Filipinos. But, you know, trying to explain, explain that to those, you know, immigrants that are, like, you know, attached to that country, it's hard. Yeah, and I think um, in the past, it would, immigration used to be a one-way trip. Like, you would leave the old country and come to the new country. And there's no, there was no going back. It was something you had to really commit to. Nowadays, there's people who immigrate, but then they're like, they plan to fly back or they fly back every other year. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's people's choice. I don't want to denigrate that. I just think that it's hard on people to expect others to think that way. Yeah, I of think. course. Yeah. Like migrants, more, they're more migrants than immigrants. They'll exactly. work, make some money, come back, you know? Yeah. But that can be kind of hard because you never really settle down anywhere. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Like, like in, a little bit about you, just like being always in the middle. Like you never know where you at. Yeah, it's not a very. I mean, it. It's not a very comfortable feeling. I think that's honestly like the, the hardest part about being a migrant is that like or an immigrant is that, you're still attached to the old country, but you want to be in the new country. And I think. Most of my siblings, my kid, my family, my brothers and sisters were like. Taiwan's cool. I I definitely think that everybody should go back to the old country just to see it for experience and stuff. I think there's lessons to be learned there because that's definitely things that I've learned from it. But but America is our home. Like my, my parents chose America and um I, I and I, I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna be in two different places. So America's de- we're very, very American now. So yeah I don't think there's anything wrong with that. None at all. None at all. Like wherever you're home feel at home, that's where you stay. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to ask you if, if, if you're okay with it. How much sure. the situation in Taiwan affects you personally? Oh, that's a fun question. Uh, I mean, growing up, we heard about it all the time. And I'm very well versed in Taiwanese history, thanks to my ma. Uh, I think the, the situation in Taiwan is, even as a military member, as a member, like, uh, who speaks Chinese and is like active duty, it doesn't affect me that much at all. Hmm. But it's it's kind of that classic situation of where it doesn't it means nothing until it means like if like the, the worst were to happen and an open conflict over Taiwan happened, then it would affect me a whole lot. But the reality is that it's a it's kind of a Taiwanese problem and most of us in America don't really have to think about it. Like ninety eight percent of the time we're not really worried about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. guess so. I mean, they're not sending missiles, you know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> well, not right now, they're not. <laughs> hopefully never. No, I mean, you're from Philippines. Do you ever worry about the Chinese taking over the South China Sea? Like, To be honest, no. I'm like, yeah, I'll be, I'm pissed a little bit when I hear it. I'm like, yo, come on, go back to your, to your side, you know? But <laughs> Yeah. Like, now they're planning to have, you know what our OTC is? Oh yeah, yeah. I went, I went to so in the Philippines, growing up, to graduate college, uh, you have to go through four years of ROTC. It's mandatory. Really? Yeah. This is uh, back in uh, early 2000. I think they dismantled it. The idea was because in the World War II, they wanted soldiers. You oh know? yeah, no, they copy the American system. Exactly. So they copied the American system. They. Uh, they want to do that. I'm like, but now it doesn't apply. Like, dude, if we ever face China, we're one button away. One press mm-hmm. of a button away, we are obliterated. Like, it's well, dumb. I don't know. See, that's the, that is that is the game theory involved, right? Mm. It's like, and this is something I feel like Texas helped me understand. It's like, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know destroy the other country you just have to defend what's yours and like um 
that's something the Chinese understand really well. It's like people talk about a, the U.S.-China conflict all the time. China doesn't have to invade the United States. They just have to make sure that they get what they want. But the same thing applies for the Philippines. Philippines doesn't need to go toe-to-toe with China. They just need to make sure that they can protect their fishing waters and the shipping lanes and not get bothered by the other side. The thing side. is we can't. We can't protect it's It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, though. If you believe you care, then you, of course you care. I mean, if the, I mean, if the States, if the U.S. comes by, yeah, they could, we could be helped. But just, I mean, like, just toe-to-toe, it obviously it's not going to happen. But my, like, my point is they're planning to bring back the ROTC again. Just the idea oh, of, yeah. like, yeah, they're, I'm like, dude, I hated that, man. I hated ROTC. I, that's one thing I'll never like. I grew up in a town that has like a big, uh, being a soldier is like the thing for you in the town that oh, I grew up in, right? Yeah. So I like I hated it. I hated the idea of like, oh, somebody's telling me what's up. It's it doesn't work for me. Though my uncle became one of like, uh, he's like a Navy SEAL in the Philippines, like the highest of the uh, high. Yeah. Which I admire so much, and I'm so proud of him. But I'm like. I will never be like you. Awesome, you can do that. I can't do that. Well, I mean, it, the, times are interesting now because everyone thinks about World War II where it's just like a bunch of soldiers going toe-to-toe. But mm. the way the technology has advanced so far, it's like we need we need so many coders and mm. computer programmers and all kinds of soft skills to do just to do regular jobs. So I don't know. That's in the Air Force at least. But I mean – the goal is never to go to war. You mostly just want to make sure people are staying away from your islands and that your your boats can fish where they're supposed to be allowed to fish. Hmm. It's, I don't know. I think if you think that you can't do it, then you, you're automatically correct. So, <laughs> it's kind of one thing for sure that I know of: the, the China doesn't really invade countries. I don't think. Mm, do it depends. Think? Yeah, not of like course. not I mean, like by arms by taking it away. They they do it like by immigration or some sort, like a soft way. I mean, it depends on how far back in history you want to go. I mean, if you look at China as a as a as an empire, which it is, and it always has been for thousands of years, China started in this one very small section in the middle middle China, where basically between Beijing and Nanjing, and it's just expanded outward since since then and. For not for reasons that are hard done. It's, it's just to protect what's what they consider to be theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a land empire. They 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 want to own the territory that that is important for their trade their trade and their farms. But um, I don't think there's any reason to believe that they won't that they wouldn't continue to, to do that. I think people think that in the modern world that can't happen. But I think that warfare is kind of like the the, the one consistent of human behavior. Hmm. since forever so it's not like war is over or wars of invasion are over so yeah but hey i'm not in the clouds there not believing the war is over war is it happens and it will happen till there's no human beings anymore i guess well (laughs) i mean people keep coming back but uh I think it's normal to fight over fight over territory, and mm-hmm. I think that I actually do appreciate the work that the, the Americans have done to kind of keep East Asia, East Asia, like Japan and Korea and Taiwan. Mm. I don't think Taiwan would be a separate country if not for the American military, mm. and most people don't really read into that very much. But um, I mean, if you have you ever been to Taiwan? No, no. I, uh, a, I think I stopped over. <laughs> if that counts. Oh. <laughs> It's a fun little country. They got their stuff together, and um, I don't think it would be the same way at all if they had been rejoined back to the mainland. So, mm, okay. Well, one thing I know is my ancestors or a lot of Filipinos came from Taiwan. Oh, are you, do you consider yourself Polynesians? Uh, well, Polynesians came from the Philippines, and the Filipinos came from Taiwan. Austronesians. Yeah, I think that's right. I get Austronesians and Polynesians mixed up sometimes, but uh, I, po- I, Polynesians like closer to to um, to um, uh, Australia, but they are from their. We have the same DNA. 
Yeah, I've heard that. I, uh, you know, one time I was up in Alaska mm. and um, the Christmas before we got my mom a, a one of those DNA tests and found out that she's she's Taiwanese and she's like 8% Pacific Islander, 8% Polynesian or something like that. <laughs> so I'm up here, I'm up in Alaska working the fishing season and there's a bunch of Samoans there. And they're like, you're, you're, you're Samoan. I was like, <laughs> I'm 4% Pacific Islander. They're like, that makes you one of us, man. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm Samoan for the week. <laughs> yeah, big boy, right? Like, how tall yeah. are you? Uh, I think I go about six feet. Yeah. Uh, 250, so. That's yeah, definitely that, from it. your Samoan side. <laughs> yeah. That's something I've been learning about lately. It's like, yeah, they, those guys are tall and wide. Yeah, I read a little, bit, a little bit about that. Like, how is this people that lives in islands are like giants? It doesn't make sense, right? Like, if you live in an island, whatever plant or whatever, you have you have to be small or you should be small. But how come they're massive people? One thing I read, which obviously I could read more, is there was a there was a mutation in the DNA of one of really? them. Yeah, they have um, they have obesity genes but it's a good obesity gene that's why they're big oh that's interesting i don't know i wonder if it's because uh i have heard about stuff like that where like these these guys who are sailing across oceans from island to island they store food really well they store fat and calories really well because they're so far in between sources of food i don't Mm. know if that's true or not but certainly the the way the polynesians spread across the ocean is pretty freaking cool yeah, man, they're great. They're great sailors, man. Like, <laughs> You've been on a boat before? Have I been on a boat? You ever do much boats? <laughs> no, I was just I was I was watching this documentary on YouTube about uh, Rapapa Nui, Rap, Rap, mm. Christmas Island. Oh, how, okay. You know that, and how like it was um, colonized by these people that just. You know, they travel island to island and they just have to watch the sun and the birds and the water. I'm like, yo, that is amazing. Could be you, man. No way, dude. I hate the water. Are you crazy? Do you really? Yes, I hate the water. Oh, man. I don't I even, well, I know how to swim. But Henry, if you and I, you fall in the water and you are drowning, my friend, I will say to your loved ones, Henry, love you so much. Because I'm not <laughs> jumping in, my friend. Oh, that's fine. You, you can still run a boat if you don't know how to swim. <laughs> I don't like the water. I mean, um, okay, the, the funny thing is I grew up close to the water. I do. And I got on the boat many few times, you know. But it just, I don't like what I don't even like swimming. No, but hey, that's that's fair. I mean, yeah. I, I right now I live like in the middle of nowhere. I'm like far away from the coast. So I, miss, <laughs> I, I can't stop thinking about the like. Going to the coast, going to the beach, <laughs> being on the water. It just sounds fun to me. Yeah, it, 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 I love the beach, but I prefer the mountain. Yeah, well, I don't have any mountains either, so it's <laughs> the worst of both worlds. <laughs> it is what it is. How did you get into philosophy, and how did you decide? when did you decide that I'm going to spread philosophy on social media? Well, you know, um, before I was... Uh, I've had a lot of weird jobs in a lot of strange places. Like I started out working fast food. Uh, I worked at an airport as an aircraft mechanic for several years, like a blue collar wrench turner kind of guy. Uh, I was a truck driver during the fishing season. I worked, I worked for a fortune 500 helicopter company. We sold helicopters to the Chinese. Um, yeah, I, I've had a lot of strange jobs and, and, I, and I studied supply chain in school and now I'm obviously I'm in the military during logistics and I think that, um, yeah, having a, I, I guess it's just like, there are a lot of people who like talk about Asian America right now and have all these opinions about Asian America, um, which is, which is good, which is great. But I think one of the problems with Asian America is that the, a lot of the discussion is coming from people who are mostly like college graduates or like mainstream, like academia, ex, like public speakers, like college professors basically, which is fine. Mm. But I, I wanted to kind of, expand the discussion about why Asian American, certain Asian American cultures are certain ways and stuff. And I wanted to kind of like, I just wanted to like a wider perspective. I think that, that, that there's a stereotype of like Asian, certain Asian Americans who are like all doctors, lawyers, and engineers, and then certain other Asian Americans who are all like nurses, 
and and uh, caretakers and stuff. And I think I, I don't know. I just uh, philosophy is kind of like a a nice general term for just like me kind of spreading my my thoughts and my ideas. And uh, and then it really kind of exploded. I was in China in 2019, and one of the things about being like a mixed race kind of Asian American is that you're always kind of comparing like the white side, the white way of thinking versus the Asian way of thinking. Hmm. And you learn a lot about like the, we call it the European philosophy, like the white side of things. You learn a lot about that living in the U S but you don't really learn a lot about kind of the Asian side of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a lot of exposure to that when I was overseas in China. And I kind of wanted to bring those ideas back to the States and kind of spread them out because I feel like um, there isn't a whole lot of understanding of why Asians think the way they do. Like, there's a surface level analysis, which is fine, but I think there's a whole lot more to it that people don't really understand. So all that to say, I, I just interested in a lot of things and they all kind of tie together under the bow of philosophy. <laughs> so That's awesome, man. How do you balance between embracing your Asian heritage philosophy and your Western heritage philosophy? Uh, well, I can tell. I can tell that I'm becoming more and more Western every year. I, I just once I became an adult, I'm like I, I'm obviously an American. I'm obviously an American culture. The Asian heritage will slowly kind of, I don't want to say disappear, but definitely like become less influential over time. Hmm. And I think that's. I think that there's nothing wrong with that. I think um, a lot of um, Asian philosophy actually relies upon less mainstream cultures kind of fading into the main line, mainstream culture. So maybe that's, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing, but I, I think there's nothing really wrong with becoming American. So I, I've realized that my Taiwanese heritage will slowly fade away. Hmm. And I've made my peace with that. That's really the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I completely understand that. I mean, like I have kids and you know, they're half, Filipino and half Canadians, and I understand if you know someday their Filipinoness will fade. It is what it is. I mean, I try. I never put effort or not effort, but put pressure on them. Like, hey, no, 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 you have you're Filipino, you're Filipino. No, I always remind them like you're Canadian. You have Filipino blood, but you're Canadian. Did you um, send them to language school or anything like that? No, I I don't. They don't. They barely speak the language. Yeah, most of us. I, I was joking about it the other day. I was like, I think my Spanish is probably better than my Chinese. To be. <laughs> I mean, just living in Texas. Yeah, I guess you uh, practice it a lot more than Chinese. Well, you definitely, definitely where I'm at right now, there's a lot more Spanish speakers than there are Chinese speakers. And that's mm. that's just a consequence of where you live. Yeah. I think um, if there's a, if you, for people who live in cities, I think there's a, there's this kind of idea that you can just, speak any language, be any kind of person, but um, really you're constrained by wherever you live because that's mm. the people that are around you. Yeah, 100%. Like here, people believe that, oh, if you're in, from Montreal, you, everyone's bilingual. That's not true, dude. There's so much people here that grew up, born and grew up here. They don't speak a lick of French. Oh, do you speak any French? <laughs> I know a little bit, but I'm not that good, you know? Like, I know a little bit. I could yeah. understand, but not, I don't speak fluent French, not because I'm from Montreal, you know. But however, like where I'm on the side where I'm from, where I live, like you said, to your point, is like majority English. Yeah, you know? and I think that's, I think that there's, there's something like, uh, I realize that there are a lot of people who are like very against the idea of like English assimil- assimilation. Mm. But I'm a very practical person. And I think it's just like, I mean, if, if my, grandparents didn't want us to learn English, they wouldn't have come to the United States. And I think if, if you want people to have their rights and their freedoms and their privileges, they have to understand the language that those protections are written in. Mm-hmm. And those protections are written in English. The Constitution is written in English. And I think that's that's okay. Yeah, I know, for sure. I mean, like, assimilation, that's the first thing I wanted to do when I moved to Canada. I wanted oh, yeah? to assimilate. Yeah, I mean... I'm leaving here. I knew I was going to live there for the rest of my life as much as yeah. I want, right? Like, why am I not going to accept being Canadian? 
like it took me a while to tell myself like I am Canadian, but when it did, I'm like, yeah. Like so, let's say if people ask me, what are you? Like I'm like I'm Canadian. You know, no, no. What's you're from? I'm like, well, I'm Filipino, but I'm Canadian too. And it's oh, hard. I get those questions. You know, like it's hard to explain. Especially, I find it harder to explain to Filipinos, to than oh, to yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're like, I'm Canadian. I'm like, no, you're not. You're Filipino. You grew up in the <laughs> Philippines. I'm like, yeah, I grew up in the Philippines, but now I'm Canadian. Oh yeah, like the difference between ethnicity and nationality is a very Western concept, mm. and I, I noticed that like. I was one time I was working at a fast food and I was, I was trying to explain to this Chinese couple, like my mom is American, but we were speaking in Chinese. I, I said, my mom is, is Tasha Megora. And so like, she's American. They're like, Oh, so she's white. Like, no, she's Taiwanese, but she's American. So she's been in 50 years. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't make sense in Chinese. Like they could not comprehend that someone like to them, like in that language, you're always whatever you were when you were born. So if you could be in Chinese, a third generation American. If you were Chinese ethnicity, then you're still Chinese. But that's that's the old way of thinking. I don't I don't personally like. I'm a Westerner. I think the citizenship is more important than anything else. Hell yeah, dude! I want that green card. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the power of the green card. Uh, yes, that's the that's. Hey, I, I I'm all about white privilege for everybody. <laughs> dude, I want that privilege. I I do. I have some white friends. Like, dude, give me some privilege. I want that privilege. You know. Hey, the the goal is for all everybody to have the same passport privilege. Like that's exactly. that's what we're working towards. That's uh, what. Like, it, that. But you know what's funny? When I went to visit the Philippines. My sister told me, okay, when you get to the airport, you, there's two lines. There are two lines. You have to line off the Filipinos and the lines mm-hmm. for, uh, um, what's it called, this tourist. Yeah. So me in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm Filipino, right? Like, I'm, I look Filipino, I'm from Philippines, whatever. But my paper, my passport is Canadian. Oh, um, yeah. So, so I was like, okay, we line. So we had to line up on the, on the um, tourist side. Dude, mm-hmm. that line on the tourist side was like 500 people. And you go to oh, the yeah. Filipino side, there's like maybe 10 people. I'm like, I'm Filipino. I want to go there. I just want to get <laughs> out of here. Yeah, it is, it, you see that a lot, actually. It's Philippines should be the easiest to understand that because, I mean, there's so many different islands. Like, Filipino itself is just a national, like a national concept anyways, right? Like, mm-hmm. with all the Ilcanos and the Minaloans and stuff like that. I don't know, like. Yeah, we're it's, we're so divided. I mean, like, it, I always, that's one thing I'm always like amazed is like, where the town I grew up in, you go to the next town, like literally the next town, they speak mm-hmm. different, like the same language, but the way they speak is so different. Same island. Same island, dude. So right now, <sighs> where you live, right, your town, that's yeah. where you at. Go mm-hmm. to the next town, and they will speak a different twist of of English. <sighs> That's so strange to think, like, how does that even happen? But I don't, the word, this is the the, the most funniest thing. The set, so, so the next town over, and then the next town over, they comp, they do speak the same dialect, but instead of using R, they use, instead of using D, they use R for, for words. D and R? Yes. Oh, man, that's a, that's a switch. I've sort of R's and L's switching, but D's and R, I'm like... I don't know. Like islands, islands have such a strange way of developing languages. Like, I speak Mexican Spanish, hmm. but we get Puerto Ricans. I, I was in, I was in. Okay, Mexican Spanish is the best Spanish. That's just, that's just Henry. Why, why, Henry's why do you think? Because it's the it. It's just the one that was that I grew up with. <laughs> There's literally no other reason than that. It's just <laughs> what I grew up listening to was Mexican Spanish. Hmm. But if you listen to Puerto Ricans or Cubans like talk, they have like their very strange like islander spanish and it's like same language i guess but mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know it's it's not as warm and cozy as mexican spanish to me yeah so. they just slang going back to your social media do you write the script that you say on your reels do you write it down i used to but i have a full-time job so i honestly like I'm, I'm i'm an amateur content creator i also just say it's only like a minute a minute and a half i would just say what I want to say and then I'll just repeat it over and over and over again until it sounds good. Mm. So I mean okay. one of my favorite posts of yours is the one like I think you just finished eating rice or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I was like, this guy, I don't care if he's, he's white, like, he's still Asian. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you gotta eat rice. Like, rice is the, like, rice, rice is, is awesome. life, bro. Uh, I have a whole bag of, like, jasmine basmati rice in the corner over there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, man. You posted something up that I wanted to talk to you about, about about gender roles. What are your views on traditional gender roles and their impact on the society today? Gender roles. I don't remember. I usually try to stay away from that conversation, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not at the point where I'm telling people like this should be this or this should be that. I mostly do analysis. So I think um, gender roles are easy to understand if you're from a conservative background, because a lot of conservatives live on like it's always from like the extremities of society so like if you live on a farm or like a fishing village or, or someplace that's not wealthy not rich basically and there's a limited amount of resource gender roles make sense because it's the best way to extract maximum value from both the men and the women it's it's actually it, it's generals get a huge knock in places like academia because their universities sit at the peak of society and there's no real difference between a male brain and a female brain. I mean, there are obviously differences, but I mean, a male and a female living in the capital city and doing analytical work can both do good work because it's just one brain versus another. Whereas if you're living in a fishing village or a farm, there's a huge difference between what men and women are capable of because, you know, if you need a if you need someone to go tackle a cow that's running into the road, you're not going to send your five foot five wife to go do it. I mean, maybe you would if you absolutely have to, but the first choice would always be the guy who's like six, two and 250 pounds. Like, so, um, I think there's a big conversation being had about gender roles, but it's always had these very like elite clusters where they don't understand like where gender roles actually came from. So, I, I mostly like to analyze why we have things. I don't really do much like, well, we should do this instead. Mm, yeah. That's one thing I like about, about your content is like you're just saying something, but you're not, it's not really an opinion, but it's just based mostly on facts. Like this is what's happening. This is, why, this is why what happened. And you take whatever you want to take from it. That's what I'm, I'm going for. It's, it's so easy to devolve into like political opinionated opinions and stuff like that. But I, I think it's more fun to understand why people are the way they are and the trying to figure out how people should be is a much harder question to answer. Oh yeah, definitely. We were talking about this earlier about diversity. You know, it's a big, the big thing now, diversity for everyone. And mm. I loved your take on it about diversity and inherent chaotic uh, nature of it. Yeah. It, it's, um, I think that's mostly based off my childhood. It's just like the entire time growing up, like you would, you would like break down, like, is this the white side of the family way of thinking or the Asian side of the family way of thinking? It's like, am I supposed to take my shoes off in this house? Am hmm. I supposed to look this person in the eye or am hmm. I supposed to shake their hand? It was like, and you can learn a lot from that, but it's very taxing mentally and emotionally. And it, it I, I don't blame people for not wanting to deal with that. I think it's just, um, it's hard for people. I think diversity has human costs, mm. which some are, sometimes is worth it, but you know, not as a, I don't know, like diversity as a, as a side outcome is great. It's not something you should like build a society on, like as a be all goal, because it's, it's, you can't, so. Yeah, you need to have one thing. This is the language we're going to speak. And mm -hmm. then that's what we're going to use as our business. Okay, you can speak whatever under other dialects, yes. But when we're doing business, this is the language. There has to be a, a lingua franca, so to speak, that everyone can kind of agree on. And I think that's... We joke about this. My brother just got married. And my brother, so my brother's from Houston like me. Hmm. But his wife is from El Paso. Well, hmm. they're from Mexico originally. And uh, we joke about this the entire time throughout the wedding. It was like, you know, a wedding starts at this time. Are we going to be on time for this? Is, this? is this Latin time or is this Anglo time? It's like, you know, because Anglo time, you know, if it starts at 8 o'clock, you better be there at 7.55. Mm -hmm. 
if it's Latin time and it starts at eight o'clock, you can be there whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that was a real question to ask though. I was like, is this supposed to start on time or is this like a come and come as you go kind of thing? Uh, which can be fun, but it's also kind of confusing. Yeah, I understand. Like when, when my uh, brother-in-law, who's uh, Quebecois, white dude, let's say, oh, went sure. to the Philippines, he's like, dude, we went there and we're supposed to go to an a island. Dude, no one was there. There was no boatman there. There's no <laughs> guy. And then, like, and then they show up and they're like, so are we going to go to the island or what's going on? And like, oh, we're going to go when we want to go. And he's like, uh, no, yeah. dude, we got to go now. Like, so I had to explain to him, like, because they have this, like, easy-go-lucky, like, everything's oh, good yeah. in the hood, you know? Like, oh, the weather's nice, so it means it's going to stay nice. Instead of, like, the Western mentality is like, no, there's a task. We need to do the task, and that we need to get there now. Oh, yeah. My, my brother and I have this conversation, like, all the time. It's, it really just depends on how close to the equator you are. <laughs> Like, if you think about places where the Industrial Revolution took off, mm. England and Germany and New England, basically the United States, all very far north, mm. uh, very short growing season, very harsh winters. Um, but also in Asia, Japan, which is the same way. Japan has a very short growing season, very cold winters, but mm. also they're very timely about everything. Mm -hmm. But the further south you get, man, like <laughs> Middle China, Taiwan, Philippines, it's like, there's so much sunlight. Like, why are you going to worry about time? Like, who We're cares? chilling, man. We're chilling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like last, uh, last year, my uh, uncle and my aunt came here to visit from the Philippines, and they were mind-blown, like, how much, like, the day are so long or the night are so short. Yeah. But I was like, and you know what? I never noticed that when I was in the Philippines. I'm like, yeah, there's a certain time, and that's it. Like, nighttime is nighttime. It never changes, really. Oh, but I can already tell they came and visited you in the summer. That's why your days were so long. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the wintertime, your nights are probably really long. Yeah. <laughs> it is super so long. North. Yeah. yeah, you know, but it is what it is. Hey, I always say poverty or this. I always choose this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind, like... You know, I don't think anyone really buys it. You know, if you could, the, the price of having, you know, clean water and clean food and yeah. factories and stuff is running on time. Like, <laughs> like that's okay. So that's basically what happened to Taiwan, right? Taiwan was like a tropical island for forever. Mm. And then like, they were really lax about time. They had plenty of food. They were just like chilling. <laughs> the Japanese were like, all right, we're going to put y'all to work. You know, <laughs> factories, railroads, cotton mills, ports. Mm. Yeah. Like, that they basically had that forced on them. It was okay. Yeah. And now Taiwan is rich, so it's like I don't know. What do you want, right? Like, yeah, like a good example. My town. When I was growing up, it was a small town. Like, it's a small town. Like, it, we pretty much yeah. know everyone, right? Literally, we pre pretty much know everyone. But we always say like, oh, we want fast food here, like McDonald's or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. We had Jollibee, so you know what Jollibee oh, is. Yeah, Jollibee. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Exactly, the greatest chicken. But anyway, so my point was like, we were growing up and like, oh, I wish we have Jollibee, you know? We have this, mm -hmm. we have that. Maybe we have a small mall. Now, the town that I grew up in is like that now. We have Jollibee, we have McDonald's, we have KFC, we have everything now. So when I visited, I was talking to my friend. My friend was like, they don't like it. Like, oh, we don't like it now because it's so industrious, you know, like we don't oh, know really? everyone. And I'm like, dude, this is this is what we wanted when we were young. You cannot have Jollibee and be a small town. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's it's tough, right? Because it's like everyone wants a million things, but there's like a price to pay for all. I mean, like uh, for me, it's like the, the corporations in America. It's like everybody wants that feeling of like coming into a town and that their their favorite fast food restaurant is there. Hmm. But then you have to have like these like massive corporations which run everything. Like they're in six thousand towns and six thousand restaurants. It's like uh, it's a payoff, right? So you're paying for standardized food. So yeah, I mean, and I I told my friends like, yo, dude, this is good. I I'm telling you, I've seen both sides. This is a good side. Like it's good. Oh, that, yeah. You know, it it was so convenient. 
Like you have to pay for convenience. I'm sorry. Like it's, you cannot have like water buffalo roaming around <laughs> and then want chicken joy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, it's like you can't live in a rice paddy and have and have I don't know freaking uh, semi like cell phone factories. It's like you, you gotta. Have, I don't know. Like modernization, industrialization, there are huge payoffs for that, but. Also, there's a lot of nice things that come with it. So yeah, I mean, like yeah, I'm, now everyone's like, oh, I miss the old days. You know, we could just go to the you know rice paddy and just chase the water buffalo and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, but that's gone now. Let's move on. <laughs> you know. So you're ready. You're ready for progress. You know. <laughs> hey, for me, like it is what it is. I understand that we need, we need to to have progress. We need to lose those things. It doesn't work both ways. You cannot have the cake yeah. and eat it too. It, it is what it is. And now, and now it's like the town is like booming. Like it's close to becoming a city. And mm-hmm. I, I tried to explain it. Like, dude, this is what we wanted when we were younger. Remember, mm-hmm. we wanted malls. We wanted this. We want, we want convenience. We have that now. And now you don't want it. Yeah, it's sort of the pace of the pace of development and the. The way people grow up is like kind of mismatched. It's like as you get older, you want things to stay the same. Mm. Things just continue to develop and stuff. Like exactly. it happens in Texas all the time. It's like every year they'll, be, they'll turn some some cow pasture into a new housing development. It's like kind of stinks, but I mean, maybe it's fine. I don't know. That I don't like, by the way. That like condominiums. Oh, every time I see condominiums being built, I'm like this son of a guns. Not gonna lie, I I wish we we need smaller cities, but that's like a whole other, yeah. Smaller cities would be fine. I mean, yeah. but that's what that, that's what you get when you get a culture full of immigrants. It's like people, I mean, immigration is built into American culture. Like, mm-hmm. like the 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 reason that people want to have their cars and they want to drive all over the country and they want to take road trips is because you know their parents or their grandparents or their someone some ancestor was like. I'm out. I don't want to live here. I'm going to go to the United States and become American. And so now we have an entire country of people who like taking road trips, but don't like, you know, walk, don't have a walkable city. So it's like, yeah, I guess they like traveling. It's, it's, it's just, mm, go ahead. I don't know. it's, uh, it's just, there's just payoffs. Like it's an entire country of people who want to be cowboys. So, yeah, again, like I said, like you have to pay for something. It, it you cannot have the cake and eat it too, right? Yeah. With your opinions on social media, I cannot imagine how much hate you get. Well, I haven't gotten too much hate. I may get some like mean comments every now and then, but mm. it hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be. Um there are certainly some people who think, but I get strange comments there every now and then. They're like, oh, you're a communist. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm definitely not a communist. I do like people getting along, you know, and I grew up in a house full of 11 people. But, you know, that doesn't make me a communist. <laughs> so You should say, you know, I, I'm working for the U.S. military, right? Like, I cannot be a <laughs> communist if that's the case. Oh, yeah, no, 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 definitely not a communist. But I do think Americans could learn how to share better, just a little bit. Um, yeah, like healthcare. A, well, that's a, that's a spicy conversation right there. What's up? Tell me what's your opinion about that. Obviously, people should have healthcare. You know, like that's that's like a that should be an easy, an easy thing to figure out. Mm. The hard thing is getting other people to care about the people next to them. And like I said, like, I think America is basically a culture of rebels. It's an entire country of people who are like, I don't like my home country. I'm going to go to the, go to America. I don't care about all the people, like all the friends, the families, the aunties, the uncles, the grandparents, the second cousins, third cousins, the (laughs) in-laws, they left everybody and they came to America. Um, But that has impacts like their kids, their grandkids are going to be pretty independent and I, and, and it's hard to get people like that to want to buy into something like a national healthcare system. It's, that's what we're fighting really is kind of the, the loner mentality. Mm. That's, that's the big problem with American society right now is everyone wants to be a loner, but we want things like healthcare. So 
<laughs> yeah, I, I see that. I remember when I was working for this company and uh, we were dealing with this other company and the VP of the company visited us. We went for lunch or whatever and we started talking about healthcare. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, he's like, well, your healthcare is not really free because you pay for it. I said, yeah, we put all our money in a basket and whoever needs that money takes whatever whenever you need it. But obviously, that's, mm. that's a great system. I, 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 I mean, it's not perfect, obviously, but I don't think there is a perfect system. But I think Canada and Taiwan are both they're both playing by the same strategy, which is is a stronger kind of social collectiveness that makes people care more about the person next to them whereas america is like 10 11 times larger than canada this just people are so much more mobile here and there's so many more people that it's it's hard it's hard getting people to to really want to buy into a system that large yeah so. exactly like going back to my story he was like it's not really free and why am i paying for uh, some uh like someone's problem like i have money i will take care of myself like yeah, easy for you to say because oh, yeah. you have money. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it. That's the mindset right there. It's like that's that's um, that's a hard thing to change. It's like, can you still be an immigrant nation and a welfare state? It's I, I think there's probably ways to do it for sure, but the mm -hmm. U.S. is so large that we're, it's going to take us quite a long time to get to that point. I think so too. And going back to your point earlier about immigrants and whatnot, like. I hear a lot about from immigrants now that they hate the tax, they hate the healthcare. Why am I paying for the healthcare? You know, I'll take care of my own. Mm. And I hear it more from immigrants than from, I guess, Anglo's. Oh well, I, it is kind of something that I think. There's something that that people don't understand is that a lot of immigrants don't like other immigrants. A hundred percent. Like, there are a lot of Mexicans in Texas who hate illegal immigrants. We do. Like, like they do not appreciate people illegally crossing the United States. And I was like, I understand everyone has their own situation. Um, it's a complex, complex world out there. But, but there's reasons for that. People, mm. people don't like people who take away from them and they feel like they're, they're taking away from them. And I don't know if that's hundred percent true, but definitely a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with an immigration lawyer about this, and he had, he made a good point that, and I I had the same opinion when, like me, I came to this country. It took us a million dollars for us to come here, <sighs> yeah. right? Incredible amount of money. Yeah, and these people just comes in, ask for asylum, and then they get in. Like it's yo, not a it's not a good way to build a society. Exactly. Like it's, where I live, we're close to the border and there's a, there's a border. We don't have police on our borders. We're Canadians, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's Canada. Well, they do, but they, they don't really like, yeah. Once you cross, they'll be like, okay, well you cross the line. You're in Canada now. Now you're a prisoner. And then they'll be like, Straight to jail. <laughs> and they'll be like, okay, well, uh, I want asylum. They don't really bring them to jail. Most of them, they bring to like places where they can stay. Mm -hmm. Then they process the paper. Me as an immigrant, that's one thing. Like, I understand why they have to cross, but there's a right way to cross. You know what I mean? Like, dude, yeah. the incredible amount of money we spent to get here. My mom actually shout out. She, she did everything, like everything. It cost us money because I, I, we almost didn't make it because the, uh, there was a rebel in the Philippines that bombed the U.S. embassy. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And then they closed all the embassies. Oh, And man. we didn't. Bro, we were waiting. <laughs> we were just waiting for a visa. And then they bombed it. And then they closed all the embassies. Then we had to wait if it's going to open or whenever it's going to open. We'd never know. Then we, they finally open it, and then all our documents were expired. Oh, for real? They still had them, but they were expired? Yeah, so we had to do it again. Oh, that cost man. more money. You know what I mean? So, that, so, like, trust me, like, okay, bro, Trudeau brought, like, 
a few years ago some Syrian refugees. Cool, but not too much. <laughs> well, it's like, are you bringing these people in because they desperately need the help, or are you doing it to look cool? Like, no. I, I don't know. Like, I think it was a lot for of cool. It was for coolness because it was like the Syria thing situation. Yeah. But he, he brought like, I believe it was like 20,000 Syrians. Where mm-hmm. are you going to bring these people? Because right now we have housing problems. Yeah. You know, do they I mean, have a job? Do they have this? Do, you know? There are there are legitimate cases for bringing in a lot of these, a lot of these uh, refugees. Well, there are a ton of like Afghan refugees in Houston. Mm-hmm. A lot of them passed through the military bases actually because they had to get like vaccinated and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's that's probably just a consequence of us, you know, being in that country. But um, I don't like it when people like. I'm not. I'm. I'm be honest. I'm not. I'm pretty much not a huge fan of Trudeau. Like, just it seems like a lot of times he's just doing things for cool points. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's okay to say. Oh, <laughs> but, it's your opinion, of course. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I, I get why people want to migrate. I get why people want to like travel. But um, it. It's just a difficult balance that has to be attained between maintaining a stable society that people want to migrate to mm. and letting in enough kind of uh, like uh, people that could change the society, I guess. It's like, and, and migrants do change the society and that's generally for the, for the better, um, but it, it, has to, it has to be done in a manageable way. Yeah. Well, now in Quebec, where I live, we need immigrants. <laughs> Well, that's true. Yeah, most most North American countries do need immigrants for sure. I mean, yeah, but the thing is, with now they may they made it like they pretty much closed the border. Oh, did they? In Quebec, it's like you have to learn, you have to speak French, you have to learn how to speak French, and all that stuff. Really? So now <laughs> you see a lot of companies or like stores that looking for workers. We need oh. immigrants to fulfill these positions. Yeah, and I think that's that's really like a help. Like, well, maybe not closing the border, but certainly a, a good way for people to to integrate into society is to be, do those kind of jobs. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's not a it's not a simple problem to solve. That's for sure. <laughs> no, it's a, it's not. It's not. It's it's a lot of like mess with our political uh, situation here in Quebec and in Canada as well. I want to ask you. I don't know if you know, but remember before they translated the Bible into the lingua franca, before the Latin? Sure. Right? I feel like that's what happened with uh, social media. Everyone has the voice. Right? You understand? Like, like That's an interesting take. What do you mean by that? Like, back in the day, the only, the only people that can read the Bible are the priests because they, they understand Latin. But then yeah. they open it up, everyone can translate it to whatever language they want to, right? So they transfer uh, the power, essentially. So I, the way I look at it, social media is the same thing. It's like everyone has the power to translate whatever they want to say. Yeah, it's definitely a, an interesting... Yeah, it is it is kind of... I don't know, everyone has a voice now. And mm. some people are you're like, well, should this person really be talking? <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, I honestly... Uh, I'm a big fan of free speech. I'm a big fan of people saying what they think. But it is intriguing to see how the Chinese have not been on board. For them. They're like, they're like, oh, we could have social media, but no foreigners, no outsiders, <laughs> no Americans. Like, you have to be a Chinese citizen. You have to put your name to your social media account. We're going to control. If you don't say something, if you say something that we don't like, we're going to ban you. Like, they're very, their their approach to social media has been very interesting. Whereas the West has just been like, you can say whatever you want, and we might ban you, but we might not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. I see that point. What do you think? What's your take on that? Do you prefer the Chinese way, or it's better that everyone has like their own voice? It's a tough question. I mean, I what I don't like for sure. What I don't like is I don't like that there's all these all these like Westerners and Americans who are like beat down on their culture, mm. like. There are a lot of white people out there who are like ashamed to be white, which is something yeah. that I don't I like. I like it's like why would you be like? So this is a big problem. When I was a kid, I was like felt really bad about being an outsider, felt really bad about just like not fitting in. 
Hmm. And I don't want anyone, I don't like people feeling that way about themselves. And there are a lot of like, basically foreign powers, like the, like the Russians, the Chinese who are producing this media to make Americans feel bad about being American, hmm. which I, I'm really not a fan of, but it's, it's tricky. Cause like the, the Chinese solution but if you just cut out foreign foreign media influence, foreign media access, and I'm like, well, that's not a solution. So, um, so I don't know. It's like, do you let people just say whatever they want to say? Do you just follow like the Western strategy, which is like all opinions are equally valid, or do you choose like a base, like a like a center local, like center thing to focus your thought around, which is like. I don't know, like some people it's Christianity, some people it's like America first, some people it's like Western liberalism. It's, it's, um, I would say that's a problem that no one really knows how to solve. It's like, what do you ultimately believe is true when there's so many people just like yammering in your ear all the time? <laughs> that's what happened with your diversity, bro. <laughs> it's, it's kind of true. It's like, I don't know. It's like, you have to kind of fall back on something and most people don't really know what to do with it. So yeah, um, you, you need a leader. You need like, you need a, a clear line to follow or else it's going to be chaos. This is something that the Chinese are very good at. So like the Chinese philosophy is basically religion's cool. You can have whatever religion you want. You can be whatever you want to be, but like, Chinese, like you will be Chinese. Like all, all thought, all like history, all media is interpreted who like China is good. Like <laughs> it all centers around that. Like that's the baseline is like China good. Everybody else questionable. <laughs> like that's that's what they believe. It's not like a state religion or anything like that. It's just it's just belief in the state itself. Mm. Um, which I don't know. Say that's anything to copy, but it is interesting to see how they do that. <laughs> Yeah, so. I love some of your posts that focus on like China being like if they have a problem, they just throw bodies on him. Just it's fix true. it. <laughs> the Chinese, I mean, for all their problems that they cause us in the West, they they which there there are many. I mean, but I don't want to get into that too much. But like, they are a very very developed state. Their philosophy, their language, their written language, their history, it's it's older than the West itself. Like a lot of people, they look at other, like a lot of Americans look at foreign countries like, Oh, this is just some poor foreign country that wasn't either. Like, I don't know, like has no uh, real significance, but China is not really like that. China is very old. So. And very effective. They're very organized. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I meant to say. Yeah. They're very, very put together. Um, but it's kind of hard to know how to deal with that. Yeah. We um, don't want dictators, you know? No, but like, that's, that's like, that's the choice. Like, do you become more <laughs> like your opposition or do you stay true to who you are? Even if that means, I don't know, like letting in a few, like, uh, uh, subversive types, I guess it's like spies or, or propagandists. Like there, there, are, there are Chinese media accounts on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, who are like, actively spreading Chinese propaganda, <laughs> and it's like, should we have these? I don't know. <laughs> they even have North Koreans now. Oh, do they? <laughs> yes. They're like, they're like, oh, I went to North Korea. It's so awesome. You should go oh, there. You know, it's so yeah. free. There's no stress. I'm like, oh, I don't know about uh, that, dude. Yeah, the the amount of like, just I, I once read the support that there's like there's like 30 or so troll farms designed to like just produce memes to scare white people on Facebook. And they're all from Russia. It's just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. Uh, hey, buddy, I think we're there. But before we close out, I want to ask you one thing. Sure. Since we talk about China and the West and whatnot, what do you think the West can learn from China? Uh, I think that you have to respect the Chinese ability to organize. Uh, they have a very well put together uh, bureaucracy, which is, I don't think the Westerners even think of bureaucracy, think of government as a skill. I think we're taught taxation is theft and that the government is evil, which makes sense considering that most Americans are like, like rebels and, and like rejects from whatever country they came from. But the Chinese are very good at organizing. And I think that's, um, 
because they have a strong government, they have a strong um, kind of mindset that bureaucracy is a skill to be mastered. And I think Americans have to kind of remember that. You want to run a country, you got to have people who are good at running a country. Excellent. Again, Henry, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I really do oh, appreciate absolutely. it. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. For sure. Have a good evening. Thanks, man. You too. Bye. Again, Henry, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I will see you guys later.